this is Jessica Gaona. You may remember me as young Bolana Torres from Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Trek Untold. Hello and welcome back to Trek Untold, the Star Trek podcast that goes beyond the stars. I'm your host, Matthew Kaplowitz. On today's episode, we're speaking with Jessica Gaona, who you may remember best from the Star Trek Voyager episode, Lineage. There, she played a young version of Belana Torres in an episode that dealt with Tom Paris and Belana learning about their pregnancy, and Torres reliving a very rough memory from her childhood that left some scars on her as an adult. As it turns out in this discussion, we learned that Jessica also appeared in an early episode of Voyager that we're going to talk about, and has been in plenty of other kids shows on Nickelodeon as well as other programs in various roles. Jessica got into acting at a very young age, and ultimately, more or less I wouldn't say got out of it now, but has focused her life on other things. And by the way, this interview might be the first time she has spoken publicly about her time on Star Trek and acting in general for a very, very, very long time, maybe not since she was first on that episode of Voyager. So I'm very happy to say that this podcast had her first, and this episode of Trek Untold is truly one worthy of that untold mantle. But before we jump into our interview, I want to ask you, are you following Trek Untold on social media? It's the best way to keep up to date on who's going to be the next guest on Trek Untold and to learn all about the other cool things that are happening here. So if you're on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, go ahead and look up Trek Untold, all one word, and give us a follow and a like. If you'd like to help support the show monetarily, Go ahead and check out teespring.com slash stores slash trekuntold to check out some of the merchandise we have available. This includes t-shirts, mugs, phone cases, sweatshirts, stickers, and a whole bunch more. So go ahead and check out teespring.com slash stores slash trekuntold. You can also support our show by visiting patreon.com slash trekuntold. If you become a paid subscriber to Trek Untold, you'll get first access to the show and a chance to ask our guests questions on future episodes. But most of all, please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it or watching it. And if you've already done that, please also leave a review and a rating if you can. Leaving ratings and reviews helps increase the visibility of podcasts on platforms like iTunes and other places like it. It shows that you're listening and that you like it, and that other people who are interested in the same subject are going to probably like it too. It helps us grow, it helps us get better guests, and it helps us keep bringing this amazing Trek Untold show to you. If you're already following us or have supported us in any other way, thank you, of course, for being a part of the Trek Untold family. There's a lot of Star Trek podcasts out there, and we're very grateful that you chose us to listen to. I'd also like to make a quick shout out to our friends at Triple Fiction Productions, who make some great 3D printed Star Trek inspired toys and replicas for fans of all ages and toys of all sizes. But you'll hear more about them a little later on in the show. Now, without further ado, let's beam up this week's guest. Computer, access interview file. And welcome back to Trek Untold. And now joining us on the other side of the line, we've got Jessica Gaona. Jessica, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing all right. Thanks for joining us here on Trek Untold. Uh, this is the first time on the show you've actually spoke with anybody who was a child actress. So I'm pretty excited to be able to speak with someone who's got, I think, a pretty unique perspective on the entertainment industry. Now, for the most part, we've spoken to predominantly adults who are in the industry or some who were children and continued in the industry. Uh, you eventually actually got out of acting, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on here. But uh, yeah, it is pretty unique because, uh, you know, the, the journey of a child actor tends to be a little bit different than that of an adult actor, someone going into it much later and when they're much more mature in their life. Yeah, definitely. 
I mean, uh, my mom, my mom put me into it kind of by happenstance growing up. Like I was about nine years old when she uh, like found an ad and uh, brought me and my sister to Hollywood to start going to auditions. And um, I I really liked it growing up. But as I got into my teen years, I kind of like uh, pushed against it. And I got kind of tired of my mom saying, oh, my daughter was in Star Trek. And it's like I kind of wanted to move past that and have a normal life. And um, uh, I actually ended up getting into like anime conventions and um, office work instead, which is a very different path. And like I, I do find myself missing the um, excitement of being on set and, um, you know, acting and getting into a character. That stuff I really miss doing. So I actually kind of started working that into projects recently, which is pretty funny. Pretty funny that this comes up, actually, because, um, you know, it seemed like it was a distant memory um, for the last like, couple of years, actually. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, everybody takes different journeys ultimately with what they do in their life. And I mean, even right now, this pandemic, I've kind of had to pivot with what I'm doing. I mean, that's kind of when I started this whole podcast, in fact, um, because oh, really? everything's kind of changed. So, uh, you know, I can totally see that. And, you know, did you actually want to always be an actress when you were a kid? Or is that just because your mom kind of thrust you into that? Well, I was just, I was always a really expressive child. So um, I I don't know. I mean, like, I always like liked singing and acting it up, but like, I didn't really like think of it as a profession I didn't know that it was something that you could do and um I I guess that's why my mom was like well this seems right up your alley let's go for it um and I, I got an agent pretty quick and uh, I I don't know I guess I was just charming as a child I don't really know how that works um I just know that you know people liked me and they wanted to see more of me and I kept going back to like a lot of the same casting agents and um, like it seemed like they kept trying to place me in things but there was always like oh she's too small or she uh, doesn't know Spanish or just like little things that don't quite sync up with my look um, and what people were going for so um, I mean the best thing that you could do nowadays is just make your own stuff to kind of counter that. Absolutely very good point yeah it's really very much about these days being an entrepreneur for yourself. And uh, he said, you know, we talked a little bit earlier off camera, you were talking about uh, what your mom did before. You said she was an entrepreneur herself, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, she had a, um, a nationwide uh, school business or school photography business uh, where she sent uh, different photographers all over the country to take pictures at um, different schools. And uh, we would like we would do all the printing and uh, mailing like from our house. So it was a it was like a surprisingly large thing. Um, for what she'd put together, like all by herself. So I just, business has always been kind of in my mind as just something that you kind of always have to be working on something that you always have to be, you know, conceptualizing or putting together. So like, I've always had my own um, art business on the side. Like I do um, freelance artwork. And um, most recently I've been doing artwork for uh, the strongman community, actually, um, I got into strongman sports. Like I went to the uh, Arnold Sports Festival this year. Um, like right as uh, the shutdown started happening, so they had an athletes and uh, media only kind of setup. And uh, yeah, I did some filming there. Uh, that was just my own deciding to support my friends and the industry sort of thing. Uh, that kind of stemmed off from also doing artwork, which was. I'm kind of trying to figure out how to market this as a whole in the future um, because I do a lot of different things and I just kind of like to be there and help with a lot of different things. And um, it's, it's kind of hard settling on what to do when you have so many different skills and different experiences, like along, along this like really wide scope of experiences. 
And it's like, it's tough forgetting about how it is in Hollywood and how it is in the real world and how different those are. Um, and it's like, I definitely should be able to build something. It's just a matter of focusing in on what I want to build at this point. I can definitely understand you from that point of view. Like before I was doing my, my YouTube channel and definitely before I was doing this podcast, uh, I covered mixed martial arts. I had a whole YouTube channel just for that. And oh, so wow. I also am an illustrator too. So like a lot of my thing in the beginning was I actually uh, would do drawings of the fighters and like go to events and give it to them and oh, get autographs fun. on it. And uh, you know, like it's a really weird niche because yeah, like not many folks were doing drawings of UFC fighters. There was like about four or five of them. And I was one of those people that was doing it like professionally to some extent. Oh, that's awesome. There's definitely a market for what you're doing though, especially with the straw man. I, I know uh, I've seen, it's been a while since I've looked at any uh, fitness magazines, but no, like Evan Showman back in the day used to do drawings of, like Ronnie Coleman and you get those printed all the time. Um, so there's definitely a niche for that kind of stuff, but it's really interesting, but I think we'll come back to that stuff a little bit later on. Cause I definitely talk to you about your illustration work. Um, sure. But you know, this being Trek untold, I'm curious since, you know, Star Trek was one of your earliest roles. Were you actually a fan of the series before you got on the show? Uh, definitely. Like my, as long as I could remember my family and I would gather in the living room and watch it. And I remember like, I, I didn't know all the characters names or anything. I would have my own nicknames for the characters. Um, and like to this day, I still don't know the actual names of a lot of the characters. I just know them by my, I, I won't, I won't go putting them out on the internet, but one of them, one of them I called pretzel head. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just named the characters myself and just kind of watched that way. I'm not really sure how that vibes with anybody else, but you know, I was little and I wasn't really, I wasn't very good at following the story. <laughs> But, um, you know, it was very exciting to have that opportunity to actually be on it. Like, um, I was uh, I was 11 years old when I got the opportunity. So, um, yeah, I was, I was actually really into it at the time. Now, your first appearance was actually on Deep Space Nine, right? In the episode for the uniform from season five. Is that correct? Um, I believe the episode was called Memorial. It was just a background thing that we had gotten through um, our, uh, we had this, uh, casting place called kids background talent where they would just uh cast uh cast you by like height and skin tone and stuff like that and they um booked uh me and both of my sisters at the time my older and my little baby sister uh to be refugees and they gave us all little um little quills on the sides of our head no um, they just had us running around as stuff was exploding and so i didn't really know too much about what was going on there but i just know that i had a whole lot of fun I mean, what can you remember about the set being that young? I mean, it must have been like a very big, crazy thing to see for the first time ever in acting. Oh, no, it was super cool because they had it in um, they had it in a big warehouse. They had those big, giant warehouses that had different parts of the sets already built like in chunks in along like along the sides of the warehouse. They would have the um, hallways for the ship. And then in this other warehouse, they would have the um, they had this like war torn um outdoor set with like drapes to cover up the background and like foggy lights and it like looked like the outdoors um and they were like yeah you're just gonna be running around and jumping over these rocks and um like it was really cool to see how they had rebuilt this like crazy swampy area uh like within that giant warehouse do you remember who else was in that scene with you or who might have been in the episode with you like were any of the main stars of the show were there on that day um, I believe, uh, Chakotay was in there. Um, but I, I don't remember another one of the main characters was in that scene at the time, but there was only two of them at the time. Um, 
like Offset. I got to meet the uh, actor who played Neelix. Um, I think that's all I met at the first time around. Um, I met a lot more when I uh, did the guest starring role. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's neat that you mentioned that was actually a Voyager episode because I think Memory Alpha might have that wrong. They have you listed on DS9. I didn't realize you were in a different Voyager episode because I normally I like watch the episodes, I prepare for them. But now I'm like, oh, well, I've watched the wrong episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they were actually, they were, they were, um, I think they were actually within the same year that they were filmed. It was something like a couple months apart, actually. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it looks like this uh, episode you're talking about is from season six. And I think uh, the episode that you did, uh, Lineage, that was season seven. So, yeah, they were fairly close together then. <laughs> cool, yeah. You know, and besides Star Trek, I know you've done a lot of other things uh, before that. And one of those was actually Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, right? Oh gosh, that was a background thing as well. Like yeah. my, I think my mom got on my page and started listing as many things as she could back in the day. <laughs> um, I didn't do a whole lot of acting roles that um, required me to be too close to the camera. Like uh, I have a role on uh, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide where I had like a total of three words that I repeated three times. Um, uh, I have a small... Um, uh, two small independent movie roles where I was like the main little girl. One of them was a kidnapped girl. The other one was a girl who owned a cat um, for like these little Sundance, um, uh, like film festival movies. Um, but uh, for the most part, it was mostly background work, which I, I swear I was doing like three times a week at minimum back in uh, when I first started doing that years ago. And um, I'll still go back to do it t- from time to time, like if a job comes out that I can fit into my schedule, but I haven't done it in like, I haven't done anything Hollywood based in like a year or so. Yeah, I also saw looking through your resume that you did a lot of stuff with Nickelodeon. Also, you were on like the Amanda show, you were on all that. Uh, you mentioned oh, Ned's Declassified. Yeah. Like they had us as like constant um, audience members or like... Um, in the uh, Judge Trudy skits in the Amanda show, they had like a set amount of kids who would be in the uh, jury or in the uh, audience in the scene a couple times uh, within the same season. Um, so they would keep calling us back for the same sets. It was pretty cool. Uh, I think uh, I, I did multiple episodes of all that in the same way. Um, I think I was even in one of the, uh, one of the opening sequences, like they had us like uh, throwing cameras around and uh, like, flashing the cameras everywhere. So uh, I might be able to find myself in one of those. Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time at the Nickelodeon studios. It was really fun. So you're doing a lot of background work at this point. Were you trying to get any larger roles? Did more? You mentioned you did some stuff with the Sundance shows, but uh, were you like gunning for any bigger parts in any of the Nickelodeon shows? Or was it, for the most part, were you just pretty content doing background work? <laughs> I wish. Like I did so many auditions, but like I said, like there was always something wrong. Like I remember... Um, I really, really was hoping to get in the uh, role in, um, there was a role in Hannah Montana, like her best friend. Uh, oh, sorry, this one was uh, Lizzie McGuire. And Lizzie McGuire, uh, the best friend in Lizzie McGuire is the part that I was auditioning for. And like, I was really stoked to go for this role because it was like everything I wanted in, to display in my personality. And they like told my parents straight up, we love her, but she is just too short. <laughs> Uh, did you have a lot of friends who were doing acting as well at that same time? Or was that kind of like one world and then another world was like your actual friends and your school life? Um, I actually was homeschooled, so I didn't have um too much of a I didn't have too much of a social life going on as a kid. I liked to write on the computer and I liked to read and um I spent a lot of my time drawing and that was that was most of my life. Um I like I got to kind of self-direct my studying, which was just um, I ended up getting into coding and that's kind of 
that's played into my adult life now as I, I work as a coder. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I guess it was a pretty easy process. I'm glad my mom kind of, uh, planned it out that way. Um, because I don't know, uh, I don't know how I would have done in public school. I'm a little bit of a, I'm, I'm definitely a lone wolf in my personality. <laughs> um, I, I don't get along with uh, too many people at a time. I just kind of like to keep to myself and create stuff. And um, it's, I'll leave a lot of things unread because I'm just kind of in my own world, kind of making my own stuff. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> well, that's, that's the artist's journey. All the time, but it's, it's the artist's life. <laughs> exactly. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is brought to you by Triple Fiction Productions. If you're a Star Trek cosplayer looking for props or toy collector looking to spice up your shelves, Triple Fiction Productions has you covered. Triple Fiction Productions produces affordable and unique 3D printed Trek inspired products from the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and the movies. You can expect the same amount of care and attention to detail in any of the items in their catalog, whether it's a prop replica for use in a fan film, or part of a cosplay, or accessories and playsets for figures from Playmates, Migos, or Diamond Select. Own your very own tricorder or phaser rifle with working lights, the bridge of the Enterprise E for your Playmates figures, or any other item from countless species and ships from the Star Trek universe. All products are 3D printed in the USA and are constantly evolving and improving based on fan feedback. To learn more about their products, visit them at triple-fictionproductions.net or on Facebook at facebook.com slash triplefictionproductions. Triple Fiction Productions, taking Star Trek where no 3D printer has gone before. Hi, my name is Walker Brandt, and I was privileged to play the role of Cadet Hajar in the episode... The First Duty, Star Trek The Next Generation. I was also a guest on Trek Untold a few months ago. And during my interview with Matt, I introduced my new book, Awaken, Discovering Yourself Through the Light of Your Innocence. The dedication in Awaken reads to the human spirit, the final frontier within. I'm a Trekkie, I'm a fan, and I have always believed that the final frontier is our unlimited imagination. And the reason I wrote my book is to support the reader, to always remember that when you combine your unlimited imagination with your innocence, you know, that playfulness as a child where you had no fear about the unknown. In fact, every single day you woke up into the unknown and you wanted to explore. That's been my journey. And that's how I believe that we change our reality for the better together because we're all creators and we're all explorers. So I ask you, what excites you? How will you expand and go where you've never been before? What steps will you take to embrace the unknown? So awaken, discovering yourself through the light of your innocence is there to support the reader, to share my journey, to let you know you're not alone, to let you know that if you've been through challenges and difficulties and times in your life where you felt like you just couldn't go on, I've been there with you. And this book is there for you to encourage you to keep getting back up and moving forward into the adventure. So I hope you have a chance to read it. It's titled Awaken, Discovering Yourself Through the Light of Your Innocence, and it's available on Amazon. And it's a number one international bestseller. So I hope you get a chance to get on that journey with me. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at walkerbrandt.com or 
on my social media, Facebook, Instagram. Thanks so much. And I hope we get a chance to connect. We now return to Trek Untold. So let's chat a bit, Jessica, about your time in Star Trek Voyager one more time, because you were in another episode, which was Lineage. That was season seven, and you were young Belana Torres. Uh, so at that point, you know, again, we're talking this is the end of Voyager. Had you watched any of that series before? Um, Just a bit here and there. So like not enough to understand the overarching stories. But um, I actually did go back and watch Lineage not that long ago um, this year, actually. And um, I didn't realize that it was so heavy in all the messaging that it was delivering. And I like to be part of that message was like, I can't believe I didn't realize this before. (laughs) It's a very deep, very good episode. Also, Uh, do you remember much about the auditioning process for that episode? Um, I do remember uh, enjoying going back to Paramount uh, multiple times. And like, uh, I drew pictures for the casting agents every time I sat in there and um, it was, it seemed very friendly along every single step of the way. And like, that was kind of a different vibe than any other auditioning that I had done before. So like, that's, that's really the most that I noticed about it is that everyone just seemed really nice and happy. And I was like, Oh, they don't seem disappointed. I like this. Great. (laughs) Um, And uh, I, I do remember that the material in the scenes um, like she has her frustration with her parents and I felt like being homeschooled at the time, like I kind of had that kind of frustration to get out myself. Like, Oh, I don't have a social life. Cause, cause I have to stay at home or, uh, that I kind of like used that scene to kind of work with those feelings as a kid, which I guess was exactly what they were looking for. And, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that I'd made that connection as a kid, which was pretty cool. Like I totally saw it when I went back and saw and watched that scene, I was like, oh, hey, cool. Method acting. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it was a very good choice you made. I think it's a very mature decision also for such a young actress to, to make and to actually have that scene resonate with yourself, too. Uh, you know, because it basically discusses uh, bullying in some ways. That's also about absentee parents. Yeah. So there's a lot of complicated feelings in that one. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that my parents actually took me out of school was because um, the schools that they were going, they were going to merge my school with another school where um, I guess at this other school, there had been some... Uh, pretty severe bullying episodes like in the girls restrooms and stuff like that so my parents didn't want me like my I was like one of the smallest kids in school in, in my elementary school and I was also one of the smartest kids so like add glasses and just um you know you just give yourself a prime that's a prime target <laughs> so my mom didn't want to put me in this other school she was afraid that I was going to get um a, a really hard time <laughs> I don't blame her. I don't blame her. <laughs> was, now, was, this the first, was this the first time you ever wore prosthetics for a part? Um, I guess it would be the second time because of the first episode, that first episode, the memorial, they had the little, um, the little side ridges. But uh, for this one, they actually did like a full face cast with like the little straws up my nose. And um, they, uh, you know, had to make multiple molds of that uh, forehead. So they had like my whole, got my whole face casted and stuff that was really cool that was like my favorite favorite experience of movie making hands down that's really cool because i know i've talked to a lot of people who are adult actors who had to do that that whole process of getting the makeup done and they were just like getting real claustrophobic real freaked out you were okay oh, with super it super fun come on <laughs> <laughs> so for you it was just a walk in the park <laughs> if you have a uh, years to have uh, fears to associate with that then you know maybe but no i was just like yes silly putty yes let's do this <laughs> 
So how many days was the shoot that you did? Do you remember? Um, I think they had me on set for about a week, actually, because uh, they used the first couple of days to test the makeup and to uh, um, like run some lighting and to also bank some um, schooling hours. Because uh, when you're under 18, you have to do some schooling hours on set and you can uh, bank them in advance so that you can uh, use the later days for com- uh, for shooting instead of any, any more school time because you're supposed to do three hours per day. Um, so I think they had me do like six hours for the first three days and then they had me shooting for the last few days. It was, it was, it was really nice because you got to hang out with, um, some of the regular cast during the lunch breaks. Um, I, I do remember everyone was like kind of spread out though. Like everybody kind of like came in, got their lunch and kind of went and sat in other places. So it looked like everybody kind of had their, uh, had their little rituals and stuff. It was pretty, it was pretty cute to notice. Yeah, I was actually wondering if you got to spend any time with the main cast because your parts of the episode are very much away from all of them. You're basically in this little campground area. Uh, yeah. none, none of the cast regulars are there, but did you actually get to hang out or meet any any other folks? Like, especially, I'm wondering if you got to meet Roxanne Dawson, who plays adult Bolana. Oh, I definitely did. Like, uh, we we got a picture together um, after my makeup test on one of the days. Um, but most of most of them I only saw in passing. Like, I uh, got to see um, the doctor. Uh, while I was getting some snacks at the craft table, um, I think uh, I uh, seven of nine was in the makeup trailer as I was getting my uh, hair tested or something like that. Because um, like I remember just talking to her casually, and when she left, my mom was like, "Do you know who that was? That's Jerry Ryan." <laughs> so yeah, it's like I didn't as a kid I didn't really have too much connection of like who was who as an as a real person versus an actor versus a character in the series so like it, it was cool to have those really like casual interactions with everybody and uh looking back it's like a really it's really a blessing to have those yeah it sounds really fun I mean I know I'd be freaking out if I was in that doing that kind of stuff and seeing those kinds of people um I am kind of curious though about that makeup process you went through so you were there for a full week doing that how long were you in the makeup chair each day um, I think it was an hour each day because they had to, well, first, oh, well, first they actually had to spend an hour braiding my hair because my hair was always uh, really long. So they, they um, had several makeup artists uh, braiding my hair and they would put it up and they would put the uh, uh, wig or the, um, they would put a bald cap over that. And then they'd put the uh, forehead and a wig on top of that. So um, there was like, I think it was like two and a half hours actually. I mean, that's a lot for someone young, even for an adult, that sounds like a nightmare, but for someone young, that's gotta be a real pain. Like what did you do to oh, I thought keep it was yourself- super fun. You I loved enjoyed it, it every time. Like I just, I mean, I was like, for me, it's like, it was a tension. I was like, yes, I love it. <laughs> Nothing quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you ever get any input from any of the actors? Like did Roxanne ever tell you, you know, do the scene this way? Cause this is more like my character or were you kind of just free to explore your interpretation of this character? Oh, I was definitely free to do it all, all on, all on my own. They just kind of like let me loose out there. Do you remember much about the director for this episode? He was uh, Peter Lauritsen, by the way. Do you remember how, how he was with kids? Oh, I remember liking him a lot. That's good. That's a positive. <laughs> um, but like, not too much more about that. Like, I just remember a general, the general friendliness, and like, I enjoyed working with him, and I hope to come back and work more. Like, I was like hoping that I could come back and have like a secret background role or something like that. Cause I just really enjoyed being on the set with everybody. Everyone was super nice. I loved it. And was the Voyager set much different from other sets you'd been on at that point? Oh, definitely. Cause um, like the first thing that I noticed is that there's this giant velvet, like s- screen that's just endless. That's covered in sparkly stars. And it's like, it's something that you just kind of want in your own house. 
this beautiful backdrop. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's, I, I definitely didn't do too many space movies or TV shows. Like I did a lot of high school type sets um, because they, there's like a general age group that they tend to keep bringing in for certain things. I was either a kidnapped child or a, a school student most of the time. So being outside of that in any way, shape or form is already um, pretty unusual. It's nothing compared to those sets. I, I, I wish I could have done something similar since then, but nothing like I still don't have a similar comparison. Now, did you watch the episode when it first aired? Oh, definitely. We had like a little viewing party. I brought my best friend over to my house, like pop popcorn. We, you know, we're all, uh, you know, it was before uh, internet viewing. So we all popped down from the TV at the scheduled time and uh, had to wait through the commercials and everything. But yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It, it took like, um, I think it was nine months before the episode came out, like between filming and uh, being on TV. So we had a lot of time to a lot of time to wait. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like TV. Yeah. So you talked a little bit earlier about how you just had watched this episode again fairly recently, but do you remember what you thought about it back then? And can you tell us a little bit more about how you feel about it today? Oh, how I feel about it today. I mean, I definitely noticed that it was a heavily, um, heavily emotional episode. Like I didn't realize that uh, the older me character was going to be trying to decide what she's going to do with her child to that level. Um, because like, uh, in my life, that's something that I kind of started thinking about, like, uh, what would my children be like in the future? And um, when I was having that train of thought, I just happened to watch that episode at the same time. And I was just like, wow, okay. So it kind of hit me at a different level. Like, would you change your child if you could? And um, there's there's other parts about it, though. Um, noticing how I applied my emotion as a kid to her situation uh, being bullied and uh, having her mom uh, being talked about behind her back. And like, I, I didn't realize it was that deep um, until I looking back at it as an adult, like as a child, it didn't really seem, it didn't really seem like an out of the ordinary situation. It just seemed like that's the kind of stress that everybody talks about. But looking back at it as an adult, I was, I actually realized that's a pretty deep thing to explore. Like I can't, um, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a weighty subject to, <laughs> to bring in, 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 um, into this interview, I guess. Well, we like to delve deep. I mean, I can tell you my own personal experiences with Star Trek. It's, you know, I watched as a kid growing up also, and I kind of fell out of the fandom for many years and only got back into it probably really hardcore last five years or so. Um, and rewatching episodes oh, yeah. I remember seeing as a kid, uh, like I just watched one, which is from the next generation called skin of evil. Uh, and it's one where one of the main characters in the show dies. And, oh, gosh. and yeah, and she's like, she's gone for good. Um, so, you know, just recently I lost a friend in fact, and just like watching that again, it's like, it hit me real hard more. So watching, they do like a funeral at the end of the episode. And I'm like, Oh wow. The thing oh, she's gosh. saying, it's like, you know, it resonates so differently as an adult. So I'm glad that you have had yeah. some kind of like deeper experience with the show. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad I did rewatch it recently because like I I didn't realize that there was that much going on when I was watching this growing up. So like it'll be it'll be a trip to go back and rewatch it when I make time for it in the future because I I definitely want to have like a whole series watched through now. Haven't done it yet, but <laughs> well, I hope I'm you do. Waiting for the right time and the right company. 
<laughs> I hope you do get to check it out one more time and take it from the beginning. Um, but one last Star Trek question. Did you get to audition for any other roles in the franchise? Oh, I didn't, unfortunately. I, I hoped for it. I wished. I prayed. But no, that was all I got. But, you know, I'm happy to have had it. It's an excellent role. Very memorable episode. And really good one for that season also. It's a, it's a season full of really good ones. But that one in particular, uh, it's a real emotional standout. So <laughs> It's hard. <laughs> So we kind of alluded a little bit earlier in this interview why you kind of got out of acting, but can you kind of expand on that and just tell us why you basically decided to move on from that as your full-time career and to pursue other interests? Um, well, like I said, I actually got into anime conventions really big. I got into this uh, group of friends who you know, into Japanese anime and all things related, and uh, my interest just kind of shifted from making things to kind of more of a consumeristic standpoint. And um, I started wanting to like make cosplays and uh, you know just buy figurines and you know cover my walls with cute anime stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I just wanted wanted more of a casual like don't mind me let me just do what I want sort of existence and uh, you know I kind of went off in that direction as well. Um, but in the same vein, I started doing uh, artwork. Like I noticed that there was uh, booths at these anime conventions where people were selling their artwork. And I thought, well, it would be amazing if I could go to these and sell my artwork at these so that I can you know, enjoy both sides of it. So I started doing that for like a good um, like eight years. <laughs> so I did um I started doing that at anime conventions and I uh later transitioned onto the fighting game community um where I actually got uh, pretty well known for drawing all the street fighter males uh gender bent as females. <laughs> so I had this collection of uh them as uh, cute pinup girls uh which actually uh sold a lot throughout the years and um as uh, that gained popularity so did the entire uh, fighting game community platform like evo which is this uh, uh summit for fighting games in uh vegas basically the world summit of fighting games if you're good at fighting games you go to vegas and uh, battle it out the uh, in july i used to be the only artist there but then they started uh bringing in the the show got bigger and bigger they had to get bigger and bigger hotels they had to bring they started bringing more and more tables and i just kind of blended in with everybody else so i kind of stopped going to those and you know, now I'm just a little office lady. I kind of like went on this wild trip, like around into like crazy fandom and then back. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, I think I kind of want to get back into movies. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, why not? Hey, I've seen some of your work though. I found your YouTube channel. I found uh, some of your social as well. And I've seen some of your artwork and it's really wonderful stuff. Thank um, you. Do you work in manga studio? Is that the program you're drawing in? Uh, no, I use a, a Adobe Photoshop and then just like a regular pen and pencil any other time. What's your preferred medium? Do you prefer to work in digital or traditional? Mm, well, I love digital because it's a lot easier to clean up, <laughs> less mess. Um, but I actually, I, I really love painting like larger scale things. Um, I started doing that um, in more recent years. And like, I don't, I kind of have to take off an entire day for it, like set aside a day off to paint. It feels like a job almost in itself to actually invest that much into it yeah I, I i'm really torn it's like a 50 50 between the two I, I love it all as long as it's a chance to express so is there like a manga or an anime that was like super influential to you and your style Ooh, to my style not so much i think actually what's influential to my style is the fact that like i grew up on like uh warner brothers and hanna barbera and 
um, Cartoon Network. And then I also like started bringing in these anime influences. So my work is kind of a mix of American cartoon and anime. It's kind of like, it's a little bit of a mashup between the two. And whenever I draw something, it kind of fluctuates between the two as well. Sometimes it'll look a little bit more realistic. Sometimes it'll look a little bit more anime. Sometimes it'll look a bit more like American cartoony. Sometimes it'll be super cartoony. Um, but there's not really like a there's not really like a set style anymore, which is weird. Like I'm kind of, it seems like, it seems like I come up with something new every time I draw now. So um, I think I need to kind of tighten that back in <laughs> to find a style again as well. But uh, you know, it's kind of fun too. Um, Cause like I'm trying to, um, I'm actually working on setting this up towards a, um, I like the idea of uh, patterned fitness clothing <laughs> um because that kind of relates into what I'm doing now I'm like really into the fitness stuff I got I got into strongman because I started competing in it myself as well um so like I like the idea of uh team-based patterned fitness clothing uh that kind of you know if you want to go to the gym with somebody it's kind of cool to have like matching clothes I mean (laughs) I don't know if anybody would be into that but like I want to put I want to put my designs together into patterns that kind of speak to this crowd. If it's out there, um, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I give it, I got to give it some time. I'm still conceptualizing on that. Oh, I think it sounds like a really good idea. I hope you can find a way to manifest it because there's certainly a market for that. And, uh, you know, like like this, during this whole pandemic, especially like this is kind of the time to reinvent yourself and to take the chances. And it sounds like you kind of know what you're doing to some extent. Too. You've got that entrepreneurial background. It's in your blood as well. So it sounds like it's, it's a great opportunity. I got, I got a, I got a huge wall of post-its. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Did any of the lessons you learned in acting cross over into your artwork? You know, I I honestly kind of cross over into sales. (laughs) (laughs) I think that counts. Uh, Cause like doing the artist alley tables, um, you know, I'd have my prints and like, you're technically trying to sell your work on a piece of paper for, you know, 20 bucks. Um, And, you know, that's not exactly something that people go through their lives necessarily needing. (laughs) And it's not necessarily something that I know how to like push on anybody either. So, um, like, I don't know, I guess I kind of would always try to kick into an acting mode whenever I uh, would go out for a day of sales and just try to be more engaging that way. And that would try, that would be um, a counter to my intensely shy, self-conscious, like, I don't think anybody actually wants this type of demeanor that I would usually have. So um, it's actually, technically, it's actually kind of a skill that you're able to kind of like switch on as needed. Um, Because in moments like that, like you don't really have a, if you want to be making sales and you don't think anybody's going to be coming to your table, well, you kind of have to switch on. You kind of have to start like reaching out to people. You kind of have to be engaging. And if that's not your personality normally, then darn, (laughs) you got to figure it out. Um, So it it technically helps in that way. Um, You know, I'm just in in general daily life trying to, trying to um, be a better person in general. I mean, yeah, I do actually have to kind of switch on that, that skill actually um because you know you don't really have that going on too much when you're all like introverted and in your own oh, yeah. little world it's not like it's not a default thing fake it till you make it basically <laughs> yeah well, it's a kind of well i don't know I, I don't know if it's so much of a faking it maybe the maybe the uh enthusiasm for doing it might be a bit of a stretch but like it's still 
pulling that bit of enthusiasm that you do have out of yourself. So it's like, you kind of got to have something to work with. I, I don't, the thing I can't do is I can't like, I can't work with anything I don't actually have. <laughs> so it's like, I think, I think that would be a key element to faking it is if I don't actually have it within me, but, but you know, <laughs> that's basically acting is finding what's in you and pulling it out of yourself anyway. So it's basically the same world. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, that you were into the strongman stuff. And I think I saw online that you did a Spartan race also. Uh, so are oh, you yeah, pro- I did a bunch of those. <laughs> so are you competing in strongman competitions as well? Um, I actually just competed in one last weekend. Um, I got second place in uh, the lightweight novice division of uh, the 805 Strongest Man and Woman. Um, what actually happened there was there wasn't a whole lot of people joining the lightweight women's category. So they kind of mashed everybody into one category and they uh, kind of drew a line at one weight class and moved some people up and some people down. And uh, luckily I'd been training with the bigger weights. So I did pretty okay. Um, but there's a uh, one... There's one event that I still need to um, figure out a little bit better, and that's this completely different thing called moss wrestling, and that's uh, kind of a tiebreaker sport that they add in there for uh, more entertainment, <laughs> more entertainment and challenge. It's pretty cool. I've never heard of moss wrestling. Is, is it actually you wrestling with someone else? Uh, kind of. So what it is really? is uh, moss wrestling is where uh, there's a there's a board between you and your opponent, and you're both wrestling over this uh, stick. You're both wrestling over a stick. Um, and you're, you place your feet against the board in between you and you basically have this tug of war between you and your opponent to get that stick out of, or, or pull your opponent over the board. And, uh, that's actually like in the works too. I believe they're trying to get it into the Olympics right now. Um, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool because it's a lot more technique based than you would think. Like, uh, I can deadlift a lot more than uh, some of the women that I was up against, but because uh, I was, I, I guess I wasn't quite awake enough when I started moss wrestling on Sunday morning because uh, my legs weren't really waking up. Uh, so I got pulled over pretty fast by girls who were struggling with picking up the same weight that I could just pick up really fast the day before. Um, so like it, it, it's, a <laughs> it's surprisingly complex, but it's, it goes by really fast too. And it's a, it's, it's really cool to be able to test your strength against other people in that way. Um, so I really hope to see the sport grow. Uh, but you know, it's just one part of this, this whole strength sport stuff that I got into. So you mentioned that you've done anime conventions, you've done gaming conventions, but have you ever been to a Star Trek convention yet? I did. I, I went to one Star Trek convention, um, right after my episode, actually, um, it was right after the episode aired. Uh, so I believe it had to be, it had to be in 2000, 2002, I believe. I actually had gone up on stage with Roxanne Dawson, uh, after she had, uh, auctioned off like some old foreheads from another episode and, uh, had a little bit of a photo opportunity while we were there. And I got her to, uh, sign like a little action figure for me that I bought of her. <laughs> um, but that's the only one that I went to. So it was very, very short day but it was pretty cool so we gotta tell scott to get you to the next one because i know fans would love to actually meet you and you know truck fans always love meeting people they haven't met before so we need to get you back out there in the world again with conventions once conventions do reopen oh i'd love to <laughs> i miss them so jessica last question for you today what is the best thing about being a part of the star trek universe well it's like 
like Scott actually said, you're actually a part of history. Like it's, it's really cool to look back and know that I'm a part of something that was such a huge part of culture. And like, it was such a huge part of my life growing up and such a big part of my family's life. And like, just getting to have a place in it is just, it's, it's a, it's a really cool blessing. So Jessica, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's great to hopefully reconnect you with Star Trek fans again. And like I said, we want to get you back into the convention scene, not just anime, not just gaming, but we got to get you to Star Trek Vegas at some point. So Scott, please make it happen. (laughs) Yes, please. So Jessica, how do our listeners today find out more about you? And how do they find ways to take a look at your artwork? I'm not too active on a lot of channels right now. Um, Your best bet is going to be following me on Instagram. Um, My handle on there is alpaca party. (laughs) <laughs> long story but yeah alpaca party um i uh, just launched my website uh, alphabet creative which is uh, going to be a source for um like just a, all sorts of different creative work um so uh, that's kind of in the works so you know we'll see how it develops over time but those are going to be the best bets i think you're going to have a lot of very excited trekkies reaching out to you so i hope you're going to have some star trek art ready by the time this interview pops up <laughs> sure thing i should get on that all right well jessica thank you so much for your time it's been great and uh yeah live long and prosper as they say <laughs> live long and prosper and that was our chat with jessica Gayona, who i thank again for doing this interview with me since i imagine it's not necessarily something she gets asked often i mean let's face it it's not every day that a crazy tricky contacts you to talk about a show you haven't thought about in decades so really big shout out to jessica and best of luck to you in your next fitness competition the episode Lineage was originally intended to be titled Inner Child, and Roxanne Dawson said that she cried when she read the script for the first time. This is also one of the few Star Trek episodes to flash back to the past to show a younger version of a character. The original Star Trek animated series did it early on in the show where we saw a young version of Spock on Vulcan, and Discovery has done it most frequently, particularly in Season 2 with the child versions of Michael Burnham and, once again, oddly enough, Spock. But this time, he's without his pet. And arguably, while this one isn't exactly a flashback, the most notable time that Star Trek brought in child actors to play their younger counterparts was in the six-season TNG episode, Rascals. That episode saw 12-year-old versions of Picard, Roe, Keiko, and Guinan. But again, the difference is that it wasn't a flashback. Instead, it was that their bodies had somehow turned into their child versions of themselves, retaining all their memories and mental capabilities of them as if they were still adults. So while there's no Star Trek version of the Muppet Babies just yet, there is a lot of new Star Trek shows on deck for the next few years, so you never know what's going to happen next. So that wraps up this week's episode of Trek Untold. Thank you so much for checking it out this week. Please make sure that you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Trek Untold. That's one word, no spaces, at Trek Untold. It's the best way to get updates on guests, check out all the memes and other things that we're posting, and interact with myself and other Star Trek fans. If you'd like to support this podcast, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash trekuntold and become a subscriber to the show. Or check out teespring.com slash stores slash trekuntold to check out some of our merchandise. If you've been enjoying Trek Untold, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash nerdnewstoday. Leaving ratings, reviews, and comments are things that all help this podcast grow, and they'll cost you nothing but a few seconds of your time. Doing things like that, or even telling your friends or other Star Trek fans about the stuff you've heard on the show and making sure they know about us are huge helps to keeping Trek Untold growing. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Triple Fiction Productions. Go ahead and check them out at triple-fictionproductions.net. 
If you'd like to send us some feedback about this episode, suggest a guest, or ask to be booked on the show, go ahead and send me an email at trekuntold at gmail.com. And of course, thanks to listeners like you for choosing Trek Untold and making it your weekly Star Trek podcast. This has been Trek Untold. I'm Matthew Kaplowitz, and until next time, fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms is powered by the Rageworks Podcasting Network and is affiliated with Nerd News Today.